So I'm going to give you a couple of examples with regards to personal relationships like my, my, my wife, Liz. You know, that was 20, 23, 24 years ago that we got married. And like I said, we lost touch. We, we, we definitely fell out and lost touch after 20 years. I, I caused her a lot of harm and I caused her a lot of mistrust practiced behaviors or, or expressed behaviors that were not becoming to a, a partner or a healthy partner. And, you know, through my own drug, my, my own drug abuse and alcohol abuse, I snuck around a lot and I lied all the time about where I was and what I was doing and who I was hanging out with. And I was stealing money from our bank account and spending it on drugs. And, you know, it appeared to her that I was having an affair. I was sneaking around. I was lying about where I was at and who I was with. I would disappear for hours at a time and money would come up missing out of our account during that time. And I was going and getting drugs and getting high. And how it appeared was I was going and, and hanging out with somebody else and spending money on somebody else. And I caused her a lot of harm and I caused her a lot of broken trust and a lot of sleepless nights and you know I, I can never undo that I can never take that back and I tried to make amends and you know I say that I appeared to be having an affair I did have an affair I was having a, a affair with drugs I was having a chemical romance and I was definitely emotionally unavailable and I was definitely being dishonest and I was definitely being deceitful and sneaking around and all of the things that come along with an affair. So it wasn't crazy, but I definitely made her feel like she was crazy because I was crazy about her. There, there was nobody else. I didn't have eyes for anyone else. I just didn't feel like I deserved her. And I was certainly afraid that if she found out, this is the truth. I was afraid that if she found out the truth that she would leave. So I continued to lie about the fact I could have probably at any time gone to Liz and said, I have a problem with drugs and I can't stop getting high and I don't know what to do. And things would have gone completely different because she was a loving, supporting wife and she would have done anything to help me. And that's the truth. And, and that was always the truth. But in my mind, I had convinced myself that if she knew the truth, that she wouldn't love me anymore and she wouldn't want me anymore. And therefore my self-fulfilling prophecy of not being worthy fear of abandonment, fear of being hurt, all of these things that I lied to protect her or to protect, to stop myself from losing her were all of the things that caused me to lose her because the trust was so broken and the damage was so severe that when I did get honest, it was too late. There was no coming back. And we tried. We definitely did. And she definitely tried to come back from that. And there was just, there was just no coming back. Like the damage was done. And I caused that damage and I caused that damage in the, I caused that damage in the, in the, with the idea that I was going to stop her from leaving because if she would never know the truth, but the sneaking around and the lying and the, and the guilt and the shame that came from that just perpetuated the cycle. You know, and I had to live with that for a long time. And I had a lot of regrets about that for a long time. And, you know, we both went on to live our lives and marry other people and those relationships didn't work out either but I know that she's happier than she's ever been and she's living her best life 
and she's super successful and she has a beautiful son and she's grateful for all of those things and I'm grateful that she has all of those things. So we both are, like I said, in, in a place that we've never been better people. So did everything happen for a reason? I think so. Did everything go the way that it was supposed to? I think so. They were hard lessons and I hate that I was a lesson to her. But I learned a bunch of lessons in that too. There were lots of, I, t I talked about lots of career situations and job situations. You know, I, I worked for an insurance agent at one time when I was actually, when I was married to Liz, I worked in the insurance agency or the insurance business. I was a licensed insurance agent in California, believe it or not. And I, I went and took the classes and passed the test and, and was selling insurance and working for an insurance agent. And I just, I think that there was a lot of shady things that went along with the insurance business that I didn't agree with. And I was trying to do right. And I was trying to do right by my wife. And I was trying to do right by my relationship and, and supporting my house and, and the cars that we bought. You know, we were 22 years old and owned a home and we both had cars and we had the dog. It was the, you know, the American, we were living the American dream and it was great until it wasn't. And then I did everything that I could to pull it apart at the seams. And one of those things was, was destroying my career in the insurance business. And by not being willing to do certain things for the agency that I was working for, you know, I basically wrote a letter saying that I wasn't going to do certain things and, uh, there ended up being some, there ended up seeing, being some legal matters that ended up happening. And my initials were on a bunch of documents that were not, that I knew were, were not valid insurance documents. And it was too late. Like my initials were on things and I got caught up in that. So by participating in something that I was told to participate in, uh, and then refusing to continue to do it, it caused that to come to light and I ended up being a part of it. And so I lost my license in insurance because of that. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I moved on and I found another career and I started off in the mail room of a, of a fortune 500, uh, home building company at, you know, 24 years old. And within a couple of years, I went from the mail room to, being promoted and then I became the administrative assistant to the president, chairman and CEO of this company. And I would like to attribute a lot of that to my charisma and charm and my ability to talk to people and uh, win people over with my, with my award-winning personality. The reality of the matter was is that I got a great career and I had an opportunity that I could have grown with this company and grown in that position and I was pretty much the complaints department for the chairman's office. And I dealt with all of the, the regional and, and district presidents from different regions for this home building company. And it was only a matter of time before I was, for lack of a better word, uh, stealing from petty cash and doing dishonest shit and, and sabotaging that job. And it was only a matter of time before I was doing drugs again and... 
one thing led to another and I destroyed that career as well. And that's actually what landed me in rehab the first time, which is where I met Gary, the counselor that I was talking about. So again, did everything happen for a reason? I think so. The point is, is that I didn't feel worthy of that job. I didn't feel worthy of the woman that was in my life. I had so much broken self-esteem and broken self-worth and so much past trauma that I was constantly sabotaging my life. And it wasn't until I got sober that I started to see these patterns and these behaviors. And I started being willing to do something about it and, and taking contrary action. Uh, I'm going to talk about one more personal relationship just because it's funny and it happened after I got sober. I, I started talking to a woman who... I became friends with a woman and I, I was definitely attracted to her and we just clicked. We did. We hit it off and we related and she was in no way ready for a relationship and I thought that I was and, and definitely I didn't have any expectations and I didn't necessarily want a relationship with her. But I definitely enjoyed the fact that we were getting to know each other and I enjoyed our friendship. And the more I got to know her, the more I realized that we had a lot in common and that we we just got each other. And that's rare, you know, it is. It's, it's a rare thing when you can just hang out with somebody and be in their presence and understand where they're coming from when they're talking and be in like a judgment-free zone. It's a, it's a rare thing when you can talk to another human being or a member of the opposite sex, especially, and feel completely comfortable in your skin. And we laughed and joked, and, and that was probably my favorite thing about that is because I am such a fan of laughter. I think laughter is the best medicine. I think that laughing heals things that are long forgotten. I think it heals wounds that we can't see and I, I enjoy laughing and I enjoy laughing with my friends. I enjoy making people laugh. I always have. And uh, this, this friend of mine and I just, we just got like our sense of humors were just, <laughs> just twisted. And, and uh, there were times where, you know, we could just look at each other and know what the other person was thinking and just start laughing. And that's rare to me. And, uh, you know, I, I let, I let my walls down and I don't do that very often and I and I still don't do that very often but especially at that point I was at a place where I was not letting people close to me I was staying very guarded intentionally you know I was holding out and, and, and still am holding out for a relationship that meets a list of ideals that I'm looking for in a partner and uh, so I stay very walled up and I stay very guarded and I keep people at bay and it's just something that I got in the habit of doing. Anyway, I, I, I let my walls down and I got kind of vulnerable and I shared a lot of things about myself with this, with this woman and I felt like we were becoming very good friends very quickly and it was happening very organically. Um, but I knew that she was not emotionally available. She was dealing with some, some trauma and some tragedy of her own. And, uh, and I didn't have any expectations of anything going anywhere. Honestly, I didn't. And I didn't have any expectations of a relationship coming out of our friendship. But what I did know is that I valued our friendship a lot in a very short period of time. And 
I've, I feel like I crossed the line. I feel like I crossed the boundary. Uh, I asked her out, and she gently said no, that she didn't want to lead me on, and that she didn't want to. Uh, she didn't want to cross any boundaries, and she didn't want to give me the wrong idea. And in that moment, I got struck with this fear. It was. I can only describe it as a scrotum grabbing terror that I was going to or had already crossed a line and I was afraid that I was going to push her away uh, with my own self-sabotaging behavior that I was going to be pushy or that I was going to cross boundaries um, and I tried to communicate that <laughs> I tried to communicate that because I like I said I so badly want to be understood and everything that I said was wrong. Everything that I said was wrong. And everything that I said came out wrong. And the more, it was like quicksand. The more that I moved and the more that I talked, the worse it got and the deeper I sunk. And like I said before, you know, I, I, I have a habit of picking up the shovel and just digging that hole deeper and deeper. And uh, I sabotaged that friendship. I did. And, and fortunately, I didn't destroy it completely. I definitely seemed like a crazy person. Uh, I, I, I know that people don't like the term retarded or, or using the term retarded, but I have a propensity for getting retarded. And you can call it mental illness. You can call it me being mentally handicapped. You can call it me being mentally challenged. But when I get overcome with fear or when I get caught up in overthinking or overanalyzing things and fear creeps in, I become mentally handicapped when it comes to communicating. I communicate flawlessly most of the time. And I give pretty darn good advice most of the time. I fail at taking my own advice, which is the irony of the whole situation. And I'm sure that nobody can relate to that, right? Like giving somebody advice about something and then doing the exact opposite when the time comes for you to do the same thing. Anyway, as it turns out, uh, this this woman friend of mine <laughs> accepted the fact that I, I, I was struggling to communicate. And even though I made myself sound crazy, I think that she I think that she knew me well enough at that point to know that I wasn't a psycho stalker or I wasn't trying to push her into anything. I, I was honestly just trying to communicate with her. Um, that I was afraid of, of sabotaging the, the friendship and that I didn't want to do anything uh, intentionally or unintentionally to push her away because I had done that in the past and I failed miserably at communicating that. We were able to laugh about it later and, uh, you know, we stayed friends, thank God, because I would have been super bummed had I, had I ruined that friendship because I did feel that connectivity and I did feel that, that judgment-free zone and that, that comfort, you know, that, that, that just naturally organic comfortability that is rare. I do. I feel like it's rare. And I feel like when people come along, we need to foster those friendships and foster those relationships and not harm them. Um, anyway, so that's enough about my experience with self-sabotage. We could go on all night, and I definitely don't want to do that. If I haven't lost your interest or bored you to death at this point, I'm going to take you into solutions. So... <clears throat> Some of the solutions that I have found that work for me or have worked for me. Yeah, so 
I'm just going to jump right into the solutions and we'll, we'll figure it out. So first and foremost, examine root causes. Seek out trauma or drastic emotional upsets in your life that may have triggered symptoms or behaviors of self-sabotage. Think back. I mean, are there are there relationships in your life or were there parental relationships in your life? Were there sibling relationships in your life that caused you to be harmed on a on a deep, deep emotional level or to have abandonment issues? Um, you know, I, I have lots of friends that come from broken homes, you know. How do how do people come up with or end up with daddy issues or mommy issues because of broken relationships and broken relationships with their parents and we don't ever learn how to cope or deal with those traumatic traumatically damaged relationships so they play out right they play out in our future relationships they play out in our relationships with other people women seek older men for comfort and familiarity because they didn't have that relationship or that, that loving relationship with their father. Um, men seek, you know, caretakers because they didn't have a, uh, a loving, doting, reassuring, nurturing mother figure in their life. So they seek out women to mother them and nurture them and take care of them. And I don't even think it's intentional. I think that women end up in relationships with men that need to be babied and pampered and taken care of and coddled because they were lacking that as a child. And people don't even realize that they're having these these types of relationships. And other people don't realize that they've gotten into a relationship. I have a friend of mine that just ended a relationship recently with a total fucking mama's boy. And she had no idea what she was getting herself involved with. And she ended up supporting him financially, nurturing him. She became his emotional, mental stability in his life to the point that he threatened to, like, kill himself or hurt himself if she left him. What's more toxic than that? And... I think that she had her own self-esteem issues and her own self-worth issues that caused her to stay in a totally unhealthy relationship because A, she felt like she didn't deserve better or she was afraid of being alone or she was afraid of change. So many of these things cause us to stay in these super toxic relationships. That's all self-sabotage. Destroying your future, destroying your, your, your progress, destroying intentionally or unintentionally obstructing your progress. Staying in a toxic relationship is intentionally or unintentionally obstructing your personal growth and your personal progress. So it's self-sabotaging behavior. It falls into the definition that we started with at the beginning of the episode. Number two, so examine root causes and conditions, seek out trauma or drastic emotional upsets that may have triggered symptoms or behaviors of self-sabotage to identify what they are and then figure out how to treat those issues, figure out how to treat abandonment issues figure out how to treat seek counseling for abandonment issues or for a, a loss in the family or a, a death in the family or whatever it is whatever it is in your case number two stop procrastinating stop procrastinating start setting small goals start by setting small goals and taking action 
This will greatly improve your self-esteem and your self-worth. Achieving baby, little mini baby goals. Little things. Start working on, on financial responsibility. Start working on, you know, self-care. Sleeping better. Eating better. Exercise. Baby, baby steps. I'm going to go to the gym and walk on the treadmill for five minutes a day. I'm going to go, go to the park and walk around the park a couple times every day or three days a week after work. And then once you do that a couple times a week or whatever, start doing it five times a week. Start doing it four times a week, five times a week, seven times a week. Work up to more and more productivity and more and more progress. Whether it be diet, exercise, sleeping, better communication, better personal relationships, working on your career. Start working a little bit more to be a better employee. To learn more about your job, to learn more about another job at your at your employer. The more you know and the more you can do, the more your more value you have as a person and as an employee. Stop looking solely at the big picture. If you're looking at everything from outside all the time and you're looking at the big picture, you're missing the finer things in life, you're missing the little things, right? So setting your sights on something big can be overwhelming. Stop wasting time and energy on unimportant details and focus on the here and now. So it's like I was talking about before, right? Future tripping. If you're dwelling on shit that happened yesterday or you're tripping about shit that's going to happen tomorrow or next week, there's a there's a cliche around around the rooms of recovery, and it says if you have one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you're shitting all over today. And I stand with that 100%. I need both feet in today. I need to be focused on what I can do today to improve my personal growth, my personal relationships, my spiritual connection, my career, all of it. I need to focus on what I can do today. The shit that happened yesterday, I can't do anything about. I can apologize for mistakes. I can learn from mistakes and move forward. I can't worry about tomorrow or Friday or next week. I have a, a friend that passed away. His name was Ryan. And Ryan used to always say, I'm going to save tomorrow for tomorrow's me. And tomorrow's me isn't awake yet. Tomorrow's me hasn't, hasn't gone to bed yet. So why am I going to worry about shit that I can't do anything about right now? If, I need, if there's stuff I need to take care of at work tomorrow, tomorrow's me can handle it. When he gets up and faces the day and is ready to start working, tomorrow's me can worry about it. I love him for that. That, that is one piece of advice and wisdom that he left me with that I'll never forget. I'm going to save tomorrow for tomorrow's me. So stop looking at the big picture. Start focusing on the important things. Start focusing on the here and now, what you can do today to improve in any way that you can. Baby steps, little goals, reachable, attainable goals. And the more you succeed at that, the more self-esteem and self-worth you'll have, the more self-confidence you'll have, and the bigger your reach can get. To the point where I wanna push myself to the point where I can't reach and I can't see the end game, but I know where I'm headed. I had another friend that, that used to love this quote, if you shoot for the moon, you'll always land amongst the stars. I can't tell you where that quote came from, and I won't try to lie and pretend that I can. But 
if you shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. So start with baby steps. Start with little goals. Get some confidence. Get some self-worth. Get some self-esteem. Stop getting caught up in fear. Stop letting toxic shit get in your way. Stop getting in your own way. Stop perfectionist thinking. Aim to strive for excellence and not perfection. Make small improvements, noting your progress along the way to a desired goal. That's what I've been talking about all along. If I want to lose 100 pounds, I'm not going to try to lose 100 pounds in a week. I'm going to try to lose three pounds a week. I'm going to try to lose two pounds a week for the next 50 weeks. And if I can lose two pounds and two pounds and two pounds and two pounds, after a couple months, I've lost 16 pounds. And I can notate that like, man, I have a friend that's been working out with me lately and he's dead set on losing 30 pounds. We've been at the gym for like six or eight weeks together. He's been going with me five days a week. He's down 18 pounds by staying consistent with his diet and exercise. But it was a much bigger goal, but he is notating the progress. He's been telling me, man, I'm down 12 pounds. Man, I'm down 14 pounds. Man, I'm down 18 pounds. It's giving him self-confidence. It's building his self-esteem. It's building his confidence in reaching further and going bigger. Stop perfectionist thinking. Aim to strive for excellence, not perfection. Make small improvements, notating your progress along the way. Last but not least, remember that overthinking is self-sabotaging behavior. It takes a lot of time and energy to keep yourself out of negative thoughts, to keep yourself out of negative self-talk, and to keep focused on positive tasks. If you focus on the positive and you focus on doing positive tasks, and you stop trying to outthink the problem or overthink the problem or create problems that aren't there, and you just focus on being positive and doing the next right thing, it'll all work itself out anyway. One thing that I have learned is that even when things don't work out the way that I intended or the way that I planned, a lot of times they work out better than I could have imagined. And that's trusting the process. And, and that, for me, that's what recovery has done in my life. It has taught me to trust the process. It has taught me to take simple suggestions, apply simple practices and simple suggestions in my life, and make baby steps towards small goals that were reachable and obtainable that have provided me with a great deal of success. I've experienced a great deal of success in my personal life, and I have spent very little time focusing on the big picture and what I was going to do in my, in my professional life. I just, I, I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time, baby steps, baby goals. I, I moved into a position. I learned that position. I did the best that I could every day at that position. I got moved into a better position. Then I got moved into a position of supervision. Now I'm in a management position. If you would have told me six years ago that I'd be a salary member of management working for a Fortune 500 company and that I'd be potentially buying a home, I would have told you that that was never going to happen. That not only, not only was that not possible, I didn't believe that I was worthy or, or capable of doing that. Um, and, that's, and that's negative. It's negative self-talk. It's, it's self-doubt. And we need to remove that shit from our lives. We need to cut out the negative out of our lives. And part of doing that is getting down to causes and conditions, finding solutions, finding bad habits and eliminating them, 
Procrastination is one of the top bad habits on the habits video or podcast that I did. Anyway, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent. The topic is self-sabotage. I've given you plenty of examples of behaviors, causes, and conditions. Given you some of my own experience. Given you lots of different uh, opportunities for solution. If you have questions about this or you want to know more or you want me to talk about a specific topic, please leave it in the comments. Uh, like, subscribe, share. Always shoot people links of, of a topic that you think that they'll relate to or they need to hear about. If you like, if you like my topics and you like the things that I'm talking about and you think that it makes sense and it's applicable and, it, and it's applicable to somebody you know, share it with them. Maybe they can share it with somebody else. I want this podcast to reach as many people as possible. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you've made it this far, this has been episode 13 on self-sabotage. And like always, I don't care what you say about me as long as you talk about me. My name is Joe Morado. We are Apes Development. Thanks for listening.